0: There was a customer eating some mini-cones. Uh, it appears that they have been finished now. Let's talk a little bit about on this Monday and going forward what customers can expect in the next Two weeks, yeah. the
1: next two weeks. So yeah, we're really excited to announce um, a collaboration using our custard, which is what mm. you saw on the top of those little mini-cones yeah. for 25 cents, right? So our newest uh, collaboration, we're really excited uh, to announce that uh, Crown Candy um, bacon is finding its way into oh our custard um, for a sweet and savory um, exciting concrete so uh, I will tell it? you this is one <laughs> that's an absolute um, well we'll use their words heart-stopping concrete <laughs> um, flavor so you get this uh, little bits of, of uh, crown candy bacon in our unbelievably creamy and rich custard, and you are just going to go oh to heaven. Boy,
0: I was going to say I, uh, I'll have to call up Andy and talk to him about this because <laughs> this is—I mean, now this is pure St. Louis. You've got custard and crown candy bacon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hold so, on, and we can only do it for two weeks. By the way, I think we're anticipating a really large crowd, and uh, <laughs> and you know, it is something really outside our uh, I was like, our normal Can you nobles- create
0: enough? Uh, of these to serve the market
1: <laughs> well you know we already know that crown candy produces a, a ton of bacon Biblical a day right of yeah, bacon, yeah. every day in their and uh, their sandwich so um, they're providing the bacon for us um, so between the t- and we're providing the custard so we're, we're ramping up on quantities and supplies and here we go
0: well that's pretty exciting to, to collaborate with a, a St. Louis staple you know Old North St. Louis um, you know that's that's a that's a two iconic th- brands right yeah. again that come back to yeah. make
1: uh, St. Louis proud yeah, we're great. excited
0: welcome back to the meet St. Louis podcast the show taking you inside your favorite restaurants breweries and small businesses I'm your host JJ Bailey with KMOV. Once again, we started with a snippet of a conversation from our interview. And this time, it's announcing the perfect treat for the end of summer. Our guest this week is Lions Choice CEO, Mike Cupstis. And beginning tomorrow, Tuesday, they will have a limited time collaboration with St. Louis staple Crown Candy Kitchen. It's a team up by two St. Louis favorites. Yes, Lions Choice is in fact from St. Louis. And the team up is frozen custard and bacon and it's only available for a couple of weeks. Mike sat down with us in the Brentwood location to talk about the history and pride behind St. Louis's homegrown fast casual restaurant, a restaurant chain he believed in so much, he agreed to come out of retirement to be its CEO. We talk about how they make such a good sandwich every time, what goes into creating a reliable experience no matter where you eat, and where the franchise hopes to go next. So let's meet Mike. Cup. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. How are you? I'm
1: doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, normally I would start with a, a background question or maybe something about the restaurant, but my boss, who is a very picky eater, offered up this question when I said, is there anything you want to ask the CEO of Lion's Choice? And he, the first question was, how do they make such a damn good sandwich every (laughs) single
1: time. Well, that's the secret, isn't it? (laughs) I can't get that away. Actually, I think it it really speaks to um, who we are and what we've been for 53 years, right? We're a relatively simple concept built on four basic pillars, right? We're doing roast beef in-house every day, Mm -hmm. roasting them in at least three hours to medium rare, and we have some great french fries. Our second pillar, which is, you know, brined and and then literally blanched and, and fried. Not everybody does that. Mm-hmm. And uh, our custard is just to die for, and, <laughs> and customization makes it work. So I think when you can focus on really simple but great ingredients, um, you have a higher level of, uh, of degree of execution. And I think that's what we've been doing for 53 years.
0: Well, and the challenge then, I mean, you can do that in a single restaurant, right? You can get the, the process right, you can get the, the preparation right. But then, when you expand to two restaurants, and then to ten restaurants, what well, to and then twenty-nine to 20, or thirty? How right. do you, you know, what are the challenges of maintaining that exact, uh, well, you know, those exact specifications? Well, that as that's you grow. where
1: it's all about people, right, and mm-hmm. the systems that you put in place to train and and uh, and execute. And I think. Um, that's what great restaurants do. Whether it's a, a, a simple, you know, a single concept, um, or one that has as many units as as we do, so I think you've got to rely on that, and and hopefully what you do is you build a culture within the organization that everyone actually has the same end result in mind, right? A great, excellent sandwich that your boss can enjoy all the time. And when you do that, I think you have a higher level of degree of execution, and that's what we've tried to do. So um, we ask everyone to kind of embrace our culture statement, which one of those components is serving ridiculously good food.
0: (laughs) Well, in, in doing it over and over, I think there's it's a different discipline, you know, if there's a if if you open a like a boutique restaurant and you can experiment with the menu a, a lot of times. That's one draw, but there is something to repeatable experience, to consistency in experience that um, I believe is it, it, is it a challenge to instill in a culture where it's like, look, We're not going to experiment all the time. Now, you guys do experiment, and you guys do have local partnerships, and we'll get into that. But at the core value of really enforcing the value in no matter where you are, when you walk into one of our restaurants, you're going to get the exact same meal that you would have gotten if you were 50 miles south.
1: The answer is yes, it's tough, <laughs> right? And I think that's um, it, it's extremely tough. I think that's the challenge of the industry. That's the, that's the challenge of, the, of, the, of, uh, of being in the food business. Um, but what you try to do is eliminate as many of those variables as you possibly can, right, mm-hmm. and keep focused on the end result of ridiculously good food. And I think if you do that and you listen to your customer, um, ultimately you do more... Um, great meals than you do not so great meals Mm -hmm. and that's really that's really what you're going for you know we we also shoot for 100 percent accuracy in an order Mm -hmm. and i will tell you one of the basics of our concept um which really um puts some of that responsibility on the on the customer is our customization concept right we're Mm -hmm. we're not adding sauce after sauce after after sauce we're letting the guest customize their meal and boy do they customize it yeah, oh yeah. You know, everyone's got their own special sauce combination with one pump of this and two pumps of that and a little bit of shake of this. <laughs> and, and that's what really elevates that meal to something yet uh, totally different. And if we ever took that away and tried to put that on in the back of the house, oh, I think we would uh, we'd have a little bit more of a challenge <laughs> yeah, in yeah, that I'm execution. It, yeah. yeah, we really would.
0: Obviously, you've been with Lion's Choice now for a while, but prior to this, you were retired, if I'm not mistaken. You were. I,
1: I did go. I did go down a different route. To and see and, how and you run. were.
0: And and as far as I know, you were living in in, in my dream place. You had retired to Maine. Mm-hmm. So, your background obviously was in this style of restaurant:
1: fast casual and some full service as well. But yeah, and, I, and I've touched had, them all, right?
0: And you had worked with. I, I think I saw Panera and, and a few others. What was it about Lion's Choice that brought you back out of retirement? Um, Because I got to be honest, if I was living in Maine, I think I might just sit on my deck and watch (laughs) the the waves come in every time. So what was it about the restaurant that that brought you back?
1: I'd I'd try to narrow it down to three things, which may sound like a lot, right? But uh, first off is the product, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's never waved um, since the day the first store opened in Baldwin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's still 100% real roast beef, whole muscle. Um, Coming from the upper Midwest and delivered and and all the pressures of the industry that would allow you to think about changing that or modifying it. It's never changed. Right. So there's a lot of integrity in the product. And I'm not just talking about the roast beef. I'm talking about the same thing goes with fries and custard. So one is, you know, it's an icon in this market. Right. And there's very few um, icons in, in, in any market. So that gets your attention first. Second is when you meet the the folks that are part of this team. We have a manager um, that's been a manager for over 40 years. We Uh, have a a team member at our Baldwin store over 50 years. We just celebrated 53 year anniversary. Um, People who are committed to this brand make it different. And when you can touch and experience those folks and understand what it is that drives them to deliver this brand every day, Um, it's pretty compelling and third I'd say the the customers they are the most absolute loyal group of folks I I've seen and um, they uh, they know the menu they know the history of the brand Um, they let us know when when we're doing something um, not so great (laughs) (laughs) Um, but mostly they tell us when we're doing something really wonderful and I'll tell you to be part of a brand that you know you feel great about the product and and you and you think you've got some of the best Employee or the best employee base that exists in the in the industry and customers who are so loyal I first uh, one of my decision-making um, uh, uh, Steps was to work a lunch in this store. In fact, we're at the Hanley Road store mm-hmm. um, I say work very loosely, but you know I cook some fries and I listened <laughs> to And I listened to how guests ordered and one of the things that surprised me nobody uh, very few people looked at the menu board they, they are yeah, locked and loaded. They yeah. locked and loaded. They know what they're going to get at Lion's Choice and probably have for years. And um, uh, that can be a good and a bad thing, right? So when you're trying to introduce a new product or make some adjustments okay. in, in product mix for, the, you know, for, for um, uh, the opportunity to increase frequency, you've got to really work hard to get them to notice it. But the guest base just understands the brand. They, they cherish the brand, um, and, um, and um, they, they come back more uh, on a regular basis so put those three together it's pr- it's it was pretty unique and in so many ways you know i was part i was lucky enough to be part of the panera brand uh growth i joined panera st louis bread company here um at 53 stores um so
0: were they were they still st louis bread company at that time or had they, they, they were. rebranded no okay. they were still yeah. st
1: louis bread company and um uh later you know a few years after that i'm talking about 1995 they went ahead and um became Panera outside of this market, right? But a lot of the same traits, you know, a homegrown concept at that time, uh, really respected by the guest and respected for the product that they serve. So there was some similarity in that. And heck, you don't get an opportunity to be associated with two unbelievably great brands uh, in a lifetime, <laughs> especially <laughs> in this industry. Um, so here I am.
0: <laughs> well, does it surprise you? Because, I, I mean, you, you worked with St. Louis Bread Company, and, and obviously that's very obviously from St. Louis. There is a tremendous amount of brand loyalty to Lion's Choice, but a lot of what I've discovered is that um, people who love it might not realize that it is a St. Louis-based company.
1: We hear that. Right, is that we I- how often do you encounter that? I think most people do, but I think there's a yeah. there's a, um, a, f- a few instances I can think of where I, you know, kind of shook my head or scratched my head, right? We o- opened up yeah. in the Enterprise Center, right, Right. Yeah. a couple of years ago, um, supporting the blues. And we had a lot of first-time folks that come around to order, uh, <laughs> order a sandwich <laughs> and go, oh, my gosh, where are you guys out of? It's like, I've never been to one of uh, Alliance shows before. It's like, well, <laughs> 53 years right here. You know? <laughs> um, so they exist, and right, say, well, they got exist. Got but, you know, I think it's like everything else, things tend to uh, blend in a little bit, right, to the, to the mm-hmm. environment. And I think that's something we've attempted to do in the last few years is um, kind of uh, brighten up um, the brand, right? So some new logos, adjusted it. we remodeled um, a majority of our stores in the market, both exterior and interior. And we're, and we're in places that we never thought about being before. Yeah, like enterprise. We're at Mizzou. We're in the arena. Our food truck. Um, if you've seen that walk, uh, you know, driving down the down the road, it's pretty exciting. We had <laughs> we get so a ton sad. of folks following that baby wherever yeah, it's headed. am surprised <laughs> that
0: you guys don't cause traffic jams.
1: <laughs> Why not? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: and you've expanded. Uh, you know, this is sort of a, a recent expansion, right? Under in, in under your direction a little bit, a, a little bit more far reaching. You have your good customer base, and you have your good product. How do you decide when it's time to expand a little further?
1: Well, I think uh, ownership, right, uh, original or current, right always believe that people like roast beef across the country, right? Roast yeah. beef roast beef isn't a St. Louis thing, right mm-hmm. uh, exclusively. And I think um, everyone's believed, uh, to be honest, that the, that the brand, um, you know, th- this dog can hunt outside of St. Louis, I guess. We'll, we'll yeah. put it that way, right? So it's a question of um, not when necessarily, but how. I think more of, uh, more of that. And I think um, as you can depend on and build on um, a guest base that are fam- somewhat familiar with you, it's maybe a little bit easier. That's why we chose Kansas City, mm-hmm. right? We all yeah. make that I-70 uh, run. We've heard stories forever about folks coming to St. Louis and hitting the most uh, westerly store, buying literally sacks of roast beef sandwiches (laughs) and heading back. So we made that a little bit easier for them, right? Now they can stop at Independence right off of 70, and they don't have to leave the market. So I think that makes sense for us. but well, what's most exciting about it is that we get the opportunity to introduce the brand uh, to folks as an alternative within the category that we compete that doesn't exist. Or, yeah. uh, you know, a roast beef sandwich doesn't exist in this category. And I know what you're going to ask me next. What about that other big?
0: I've <laughs> heard about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, you know, leave but it I think they're, part of they're it not really roast beef, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I guess part of it would be the distinction is what you talked about earlier, right? The integrity, how it's made right. and the consistency in how it's made. Um, how does that inform the ability to expand because if we want to talk about the other guys, which I'm sure everyone would know at this point is Arby's if, you know, they have a a wider reach, but in order to expand and maintain the level of consistency, I assume it has to be a more measured decision, and it has to be something that you think that we want we have these standards, we want to be able to hold this up, so maybe going to 2,500 restaurants we wouldn't be able to do things the way we wanted, you know, to do them
1: I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Okay. I think um, in the same way other great brands have been built, I mean, obviously it's dependent on people and dependent on supply chain, mm-hmm. but I, I, I believe um, we can be as big as we choose to be or as small as we choose to be with all those factors into play. I think when you look at the food industry, uh, or fast food or quick service um, per se, right? Um, it's really about share a stomach. And people are consistently looking for something that um, that fulfills their needs. Um, mm-hmm. And today those needs are different than they were a few years ago. What's amazing about roast beef is it's it fills the needs today as much as it did um, when Marv Gives uh, opened the first one yeah. in Baldwin 53 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he chose um, to get into the food business and provide a product that... He would be proud to serve his family and this has been a time right when a lot of folks were going back into the marketplace dual income families you know women were going back in who had stayed home for 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 years and coming back in and they recognized the fact that food um was was going to be a challenge to prepare um, for any meal or dinner, and they wanted to provide. Marv wanted to provide with his partners a, a meal that you could be proud of, that was nutritionally based, that you knew what it was, with no mystery meat <laughs> yes. here, and that um, moms Didn't and dads out to be could feel. Made
0: meal. from gym mats or whatever. Yeah, exactly right,
1: made. and th- he settled on roast beef. That's the same thing that exists today. Today it happens to have nutritional values that. Um, maybe weren't entirely recognized um, back then. You know, since then, we've modified our menu to be able to address every kind of, um, of dietary need, whether it's a gluten-free need or a vegetarian need, or um, even to some degree, even though we're not a vegan restaurant, we have vegan offerings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have low carb offerings, we have high protein offerings, and we try to uh, convey that in you know, our smart choice menu. But the reality is today, people are pickier than they ever were, They're looking for things that they can identify that fill their need. And if, and if you can be a player in that, Mm -hmm. um, in one market or 50 markets, um, and do it with integrity, do it with respect, do it with the people who share the same vision, um, that, uh, that, that we were, we were founded on. Then I, I, I think, you know, the world is the limit to be
0: perfectly honest. Well, and you said that you can be as big or as small as you choose to be, um, looking toward the future how big are you guys choosing to be? How uh, Do you have uh, expansion plans or do you have a, a roadmap of where you'd like to be in 10 years, what Lion's Choice would look like? Yeah. Um, what are you guys looking for to, toward in the future?
1: Well, we certainly have a plan for the next 5 to 10 years, right, which would mean some new markets. Um, um, using St. Louis as a base for all the reasons we just chatted about and, and working out kind of in a, in a spoke um, development plan, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously the you know, the, the concept to do that uh, quicker may involve other partners, too, franchisees, which, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've been very successful the franchise. Um,
0: and you guys have a, uh, I th- I don't know if this is still accurate, but when I was looking it up, it, like three? We have three, three franchise, franchise
1: units and two franchise um, groups or partners that have um, okay. been with us f- uh, for years and represent the brand in all the same um, mm-hmm. ways that we were talking about earlier, one in Troy and another group. Um, that that operates in Sullivan, in Washington. Um, so we've got a, a bit of a model that we can begin, um, and we, we um, had uh, more franchise groups um, earlier. Um, since then, the companies um, bought those back. But we're um, we we definitely see the Midwest as the stepping uh, stone for growth, mm-hmm. and that um, uh, prove it there. And like I said, the world is the limit, right?
0: Yeah. And is there is there a a, a region? Obviously, the Midwest is the base, but is there a region that you guys look at? I'm always curious when, when expansion comes to mind. Sure. How do you evaluate the, maybe the, the culinary tastes of, of different regions and what seems to fit you, you guys and where you might look to go? How do you guys evaluate that information?
1: Well, we begin. Um, basically with the with the pillars of our product right Mm -hmm. so beef Um, where's beef consumption the best and I think sometimes uh, it's really interesting as I've been involved in the brand and in thinking through this how people look at hamburgers differently than sliced roast beef right right Um, it's both beef I mean people eat beef everywhere right Um, yeah the 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 cost and the price translated into that might be a little bit higher for a, a shaved roast beef meal but um, beef remains to be one of the li- largest consumed proteins on the planet uh, or at least in the United States let's put it that way maybe yep. n- no, we're not right up there with goat across the world but, uh, we're certainly but, it's but yeah it's big he you here know
0: it's the holy grail yeah yeah
1: and chicken so that's a starting point though and then we'd like to look um, at how other brands are, are growing and building and what's the demographics of the folks we've we work uh, and built a real estate model that we believe represents um, the type of customer um, that is most attracted to the brand. Um, and uh, we identify the, you know, the, the size and the population of that group in any new market. Uh, obviously beef consumption like I looked at and obviously all the other factors that come into play, the, the availability of real estate, the availability of, of yeah. talent and people uh, and the cost of, uh, employing them or in building real estate. So all those come into effect and we have this, you know, magical, um, uh, <laughs> what was it, Wizard of odds model that pops it out and says, Hey, here's where you should go.
0: I'm, I'm sure that you're tired of thinking about it and talking about it. Never. And I'm, I'm tired <laughs> of asking about it, but okay. COVID-19 uh. and the challenges that has provided, uh, for you guys to overcome, we'll phrase it that way. Um, how is that affected? Because at a, at a single restaurant, obviously, it affects, you know, n- no indoor dining or, or difficulty in staffing. But when you have multiple locations, that grows exponentially. Um, so, so you guys had already implemented online ordering prior to this, which I imagine was a relief when this came to be. But w- what has the last year and a half, two years been like when you're trying to manage 25 restaurants?
1: Is this where I can swear? You can uh, swear no, as I'll much uh, as I'm you can. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pause on that. Um, I know this sounds like a uh, like a probably over-melodramatic statement, but I, I would say every aspect of the restaurant industry has changed in the last 18 months. I mean, every yeah, supply single... Supply lines and everything, everything. Yeah. Uh, Every week, uh, we continue to have a supply chain break, whether it's a supplier who can't... Uh, get product to us or um, because they they're not manufacturing it they're they're shy of people Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously the the uh, employment um, situation in the country is horrid Um, that translates into plants translates into into freight translates into trucks I mean we had a uh, we started a promotion just uh, five weeks ago and the third week into it um, uh, the truck never, never showed up at our distribution center, which was kind of a heart attack Probably. moment. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. we're staffed, um, best case right now, we're staffed at 80% in our stores. Um, um we, we, uh, can't find people. Um, we're paying existing people more. We're paying sign on bonuses. Um, we're spending money on advertising. We're trying to come up with new creative ways, uh, to do it. Um, and I think the, you, know, the, you, you started to touch on this. I think uh, trying to uh, adapt to changing consumer needs during the pandemic just meant you were on your toes every single day, right? You mentioned our, our online ordering, but we had just rolled out uh, delivery at that same time. Thank goodness, right? Wow, yeah. Um, yeah. Since then, you know, we, we learned that both those programs had opportunities and we, we changed them and modified them. We, we uh, created a brand new app um, which was uh, easier to use and faster. We ex- we've expanded our delivery um, process. Our online ordering should be, and I, I knock on wood, I think anybody would find it to be one of the easiest uh, on the system right now. And that's really paid off for us and changed. We also recognize that when people were locked down in their homes. Um, and uh, still need to provide food, and not everybody's a cook and not everybody wants to cook every right, day, yeah. we changed our menu to include family packs, things that you know, made it affordable um, for families to, to grab uh, meals for four or, or meals for six or, or any kind of multiple of folks. So that was something we, you know, who, who would have who thought of that um, 20 years ago? Although we had, you know, some of those elements, we, we went totally different. Uh, we brought in um, and, and teamed up uh, with local um, partners and collaborations. You know, including uh, Forehands. Uh, we were doing a frozen pizza, so people could swing by right the alliance Choice uh, Pizza uh, Forehands uh, breweries pizza, which has been a great success too. So people were able to come through a drive-through um, today. You can do cris- you can pick up Crispy Edge pot stickers um, through the drive-through as well. Um, so you know the the the. The creativity, the adaptability and the flexibility that I think that and it's not just us by the way, I like to like to say we, we did it better than many um, but the whole industry had to, had to jive and, 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 and spin
0: and, and turn and adapt but you did some of the stuff before it was forced right I mean you know delivery and, and, and call and pickup and stuff like that online pickup and creating an, an ordering app innovation. As a as a result of force change is something, but for you guys to be out ahead of that, what and you, you know you you've been in this industry a long time. What led you to start driving those things even before you had to do them? because you wouldn't think that necessarily a a franchise restaurant would do that.
1: I'd like to claim the first in all those, right? But it's (laughs) not, I mean, I think in so many ways the industry was moving directionally. Mm -hmm. I think what COVID did and what the pandemic did, right, is it accelerated that for everyone. I mean, you had no choice. You had to play in those games, right? Um, I've heard it say in a variety of ways, Uh, webinars and and conversations that, you know, in this 18 months, the industry um, advanced for five years, right? Because we had to put money in technology, we had to invest in elements, or frankly, you weren't able to serve um, customers. So from that end, man, what a celebration, right? That we all um, catapulted to a different place um, in the market. I'm thankful that we did have uh, our our toes in the door on every one of those channels of distribution beforehand because it really did save us, particularly in those early on yeah, those early months, you. right? Well,
0: yeah. and you, the other element you talked about the local collaborations being, you know, part of forehands and and being part with uh, you know the pot stickers. That seems to be, given the 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 local roots of this business, it's not something that necessarily a, a, a restaurant franchise in your position would think to do but it does feel like something that a restaurant franchise in St. Louis would think sure to do. and the interconnectivity of this city and the dining scene of it uh, seems sort of unique so what when did the, those ideas come about and why did you think that they could work yeah well
1: First off, right, it is there is a St. Louis pride element of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I think when you're down and out or the or you see um, fellow St. Louis um, business partners um, down on their luck as well as a result of COVID, it just it, it, it makes you all yeah. think, how do we how do we help each other? Right. Um, how do we how do we join hands and um, and make it better, not just for each other, but for the, gu- the, the customers and the, and the population in St. Louis. I think that model plays anywhere, by the way. I think it's, yeah. it's fortunate that, you know, we've got 53 years of history here, but we, did th- we were able to accomplish the same thing in Kansas City um, during, during the pandemic. And I think, um, you know, what, what we did back then, I think about this, uh, we donated, um, we, we basically extended our our discount, our employee discount, which is 55% to every healthcare and emergency worker um, during the month of April of last year during the healthcare. That translated into $90,000 worth, um, worth of discounts to that group, and I kno- we know they appreciate it. It was, it was uh, also done in, in Kansas City, for example. It worked for that. You know, soon after that, we we did a, a roundup for Operation Food Search here and Harvesters in Kansas City. And, and that was because we saw for the first time in, in years this need for um, for fulfilling food insecurity to be so great. And of course we are in that business, right? So I think part of it is it stems from who you as an organization decide to be um, and, and what your role and what your part is in society and community. Our culture happens to be um, one that we, we want to participate in society and we want to participate in the community and i think you know covid unfortunately provided new new ways um, to really live our mission
0: yeah well i mean i think that we're this is a perfect example we're not in a corporate headquarter building somewhere we're in one of the restaurants right here in brentwood and i know that the executive team remains small um you know it's not floors of, of oh, you no. know oh, PR no. people oh, no. and everything oh, no. um as the restaurant grows and as you look to expand it it seems like it's really important to maintain that sort of the sense of being grounded in the community
1: absolutely um and ground yourself in new communities right as you go because again the premise of everything we do um can transfer into any market or any any group i think um i would say that one of the things i i hope would be a legacy of me in this Mm -hmm. brand in some degree is, is, um, taking a culture that existed and, and maybe, uh, further defining it, um, and, and making this organization a place, um, that, that people seek to be part of, um, whether that be on the, on the employee side, the team member side, because it's it's fun and it's enjoyable to be part of something bigger than yourself, you know, and that you're and that you're proud of being part of. Um, and I think as a as a consumer or a guest, um, to be able to be able to call it uh, your place or um, or yours, you know, because yeah. you grew up with it or you experienced in different ways, is like the biggest compliment that you can make, um, to a brand, I think. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it doesn't come naturally (laughs) and (laughs) it's not necessarily easy, but (laughs) it's sure something to strive for.
0: Well, you're not, you're not from the St. Louis area, right?
1: I'm not. Can you tell by an accent or something? It's still, no, no, No. I just,
0: uh, uh, based on the background, uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, you came out of retirement to come, to come back here because a lot of people who seem to have grown up in St. Louis seem to retire in St. Louis somehow. Um, from an outsider's perspective, and from somebody who's known this industry for a long time, do you notice anything different about the you know, the St. Louis community, the Midwest area, as you try and grow a restaurant, as you try and build it into the community? Because you mentioned the customers feeling like this is their spot. You know, they right. come in, they have their, their order. Do you, see, do you see anything different in St. Louis that uh, your years of experience maybe you, you hadn't encountered?
1: Well, um, that's a that's a tough question, especially because <laughs> I didn't go to high school here. Right. Oh. So that's that's the real. <laughs> and me neither. Yeah, and no. and,
0: and Kaylee <laughs> neither. So <laughs> we've been asked a lot. But my kids no.
1: did. My, my okay. kids did. You know, um, being in the restaurant industries, I, literally I started out at 16 at McDonald's as a career person. Right. So that's all I've ever done. And uh, once I left New England um, my first real job was in Connecticut and then I I moved off um, to Minneapolis I did a five-year stint right it was like five years here five years there five years it was kind of typical in the industry and I was in operations and marketing at the time and then I ran uh, uh, a few operations divisions Um, when I came here um, with the opportunity that um, existed with St. Louis Bread Company. Um, I wanted to, I really was tired of the, of, the, of the travel. And, you know, part of my intent was to be in a place where I could get our kids, my wife and I could get our kids through school and not move yeah. them every five years again. Um, and I think um, I would say St. Louis some of the unique things about St. Louis, one is that it's a little hard to break into sometimes, you know. Yeah, can be. Um, it can be. It can be. But once, once broken in, man, and you understand um, all the, the values and what this community has to offer, whether it be education, health care, food, right, arts. Um, and, and you can get past that initial um, element. Man, what a great city and community this is, right? And I think for us, my wife and I will, will be, uh, I think we just actually came up to 25 years here. So this is home oh. for us. You know, actually, other than growing yeah, up in New you England. You're I've a naturalized citizen I've now. Lived yeah. I've yeah. lived here longer <laughs> than ever. I think the uniqueness of it is that, um, you know, if you translate this into a restaurateur coming in, this has never been a big chain market. Um, um it's been an unbelievably great um food market um the chefs that we have in this market you know recognized by james beard awards and and and, and uh and uh and national uh, publications are phenomenal same thing with every element i think you can say that about every segment of this market that's what makes it unique right um so man yeah i i am st louis proud you know I, I didn't I didn't go to high school here but I sure love it and I think being part of this brand is just another way of expressing it right um, and, I, and and I gotta excited. say it's
0: got to be cool that when the people from here go you know they go off to college or they go on vacation or they visit family they talk about lion's choice I mean oh, yeah. I grew up in Chicago and I heard about lion's choice long before I could I lived here and that's got to be a very cool thing to to now you're you're sort of in charge of the thing that goes and gets lionized out all over the country.
1: Um, well, it's it's exciting. It's also humbling, um, <laughs> right, in, in a way. Because I think, you know, I, I see this as, you know, as basically um, having that opportunity, right, to guide the brand during this next this next phase, which, you know, um, means, in fact, I, g- I had, uh, when I first joined the company, I had as many emails and notes from friends and family that said, don't mess it up. In <laughs> fact, we had um, we had guests writing to us that said, yeah, I see you were with, you know, X, Y, and Z companies in the past. Don't try to make us one of those, right? Don't mess <laughs> it up. So I take it very seriously, and I think the whole organization, everybody in our support center and all the managers do. I mean, we'll, what we have is really Really unique and really special, and uh, yeah, my my commitment is not messing it up. If anything, make it you know make it a little bit better.
0: Crown Candy collaboration begins Tuesday, August 31st, and will run for two weeks. So if bacon and frozen custard sounds like your thing, make sure you don't miss out. I had hoped to talk to Andy from Crown Candy Kitchen, who we had on a previous episode, but unfortunately other work obligations got in the way and I ran out of time. But I'm sure that we'll hear from him in the future. Now, if you just want some roast beef, there's Lion's Choice locations in Illinois, Kansas, and plenty in Missouri. And if you live in the St. Louis area, there's almost certainly one within a few minutes of you. If you have someone you'd like to hear from on the podcast, make your suggestion on Facebook or Instagram at Meet St. Louis Podcast. Also, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes, because it helps people discover all the wonderful episodes we've done so far. As always, thank you for listening. Hope everybody had a great weekend. And let's get together next week.